Backstage Pass Radio is now a global podcast heard in 70 countries around the world. Our newly formed partnership with Synad Outdoor has us seeing great traction in Texas and Louisiana. Since Synad's beginnings in 1964, this family-owned and operated advertising company has become the largest independently held billboard company in Texas today. Synad prides itself on unbeatable service and turnaround time. Let their experienced design team create the perfect advertisement to showcase your business. Contact Synad today at 713-861-6013. And also make sure to visit their website at www.synad.com and tell them Backstage Pass Radio sent you. I am joined by a super talented singer-songwriter that is with me right here in the Crystal Vision Studios. Hey guys, it's Randy Holsey with Backstage Pass Radio, and my guest this evening is a local artist that has shared the stage with national acts, and her style of music is rooted in country music. Pop those headphones on because I have the lovely and talented Heather Raylene with me, and we'll chat with her right after this. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Heather, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to my humble abode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. And I was thinking, let's see, I guess... The first time that I ever met you was at Creekwood Grill. We had an opening and I said, hey, you want to play it? And you came out and played. So I think that was what, maybe a month ago or something like that? It's been a little while. Yeah. A couple months, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I lose track of time. But uh, <laughs> so that was the first time that I met you and I enjoyed the show, by the way. Oh, thank you. You're That's welcome. a cool venue. So what's good with you these days? So <laughs> right, right before Thanksgiving, and I was asking you that because... My whole family was like hit with this stomach bug that was going around prior to Thanksgiving. So like everybody was sick. I didn't know if you've managed to avoid this whole virus that's going around the country. If you've been well and you've been out playing and staying busy, talk to the listeners about that. Well, yeah, knock on wood. But, you know, my aunt and uncle were actually on a cruise and she came home with it. And poor thing, I think it was the last day and a half that she was really feeling it, even on the cruise, just stuck in the room. <laughs> um, so she came back from it and then was was good enough, you know, by, by Thanksgiving. And I mean, yeah, I've been uh, able to bypass that somehow, good. but I, I, I do know of a handful of people that definitely had some kind of bug going around. Yeah, you don't, you don't want that. It was, I, I was telling somebody at, at the office today that it's probably been at least 30 years since I can remember like throwing up from illness. Oh, wow. This one got me though. And oh, uh, I've, I've never been sick at my stomach like that. And so it wasn't good. So we had it and then my mom got it and it was like, oh my God, like we need to get, you know, sterilized. Right. <laughs> like it's, and I canceled probably from the illness and then losing my voice during the illness. I think at oh. three weeks, I all my, I canceled all my shows. I couldn't sing. I didn't have a right. voice. And, well, and you know, so as well you, as, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that certainly doesn't help a vocalist, yeah. right? So, well, uh, do you know, Gary Kyle, I just played a show okay. with him. He's got seven kids, and his whole household had it. No way. Yeah, like a week before we played together. And he's like, don't worry, we're good now, you know, by the time I saw him. But, yeah, uh, I was asking him details about our show that we were doing together, and he, he wasn't responding for two days. He's like, sorry, just I'm came dead. up for air. <laughs> <laughs> seven kids. Right. We were all sick. <laughs> Gosh, I couldn't imagine. So my my youngest son is living here right now with us, and it was so weird because – me, Terry, and Cameron were all down. So it's like usually when you have a family and one person's sick, you know, the other's kind of like, what do you need? Can I fix you something to eat? Can I get you a drink? <laughs> this, everybody was down. Nobody wanted to do anything. To yeah, we were all like, everybody's for themselves, all for one oh and none God. for all. And, you know, you go fix your own food. And it, it's just like the worst, right? Yes, exactly. Now, for all practical purposes, you're a native Houstonian, correct? Mm -hmm. And you grew, did you grow up in the Humble area? Did, did I 
Did I get Originally, that right oh, as, yeah. a, as a young kid? So I was that... born in Nacogdoches, but okay. I was only there for, there for a short time. And then, yeah, I went to school in Humble up until about sixth grade. And then we moved to Conroe. Okay. And I graduated in Conroe, Caney Creek High School. And I lived in Conroe for a while after that and then moved to Spring. And now I'm actually kind of near downtown. So okay. I went a little further south each time. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking a little bit about that pre-hitting the record button. And I, I'm like, that's... Uh, downtown just too many people for me right like <laughs> if that's lot. if that works for you then i'm happy for you but well, randy holsey is out. not going to downtown at this age right I'm, I'm going further out and away from people i think is is how it works yeah and i was uh, i do have my complaints and I, I was talking to my my mom the other day and i was like man i'm used to being able to go to like target or walmart in the middle of the week you know like at 12 o'clock on right. a wednesday and you know just chill in and taking my time and not having very many people there but sure. like in that area there are people <laughs> all the time and everyone's got different schedules you know you, Absolutely. Just, you especially now after covid like right. you expect everyone to have a nine to five but really a lot of people work from home or whatever they do. so well and then you get the you know being that close to downtown you get all of the business professionals that are down there that this time of year you have to go out and get shopping done so a lot of them probably leave for like lunch right Right, and they go go out and go shopping and that's kind of down in your area so (laughs) so that's why it probably the facade is that it seems so much busier down Mm -hmm, there than it probably does here because you get the downtown bleed over the story of your younger days is is a pretty common with with a lot of the artists that i talk to but share with the listeners kind of where your start came in music i want to hear your story like from you know, the young age, this is how you kind of got involved in music. And then we'll kind of walk through that. Yeah. So, um, I like to tell people I came out of my mom's womb already singing because I definitely was a singer early on, just, you know, three and four years old. I was singing in the back of the backseat of the car and probably making up some, some songs back then, you know, just kind of being silly as a kid. But, uh, my first kind of instrument that I tried out was, was piano. And I just kind of I would just play stuff by ear, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb or Christmas songs or whatever. And then when I was 11, that's when everybody was choosing what instrument, you know, they might want to play or sports or whatever. And and, um, it it was between flute and violin. And uh, there was actually a violinist that came to our school. And they didn't just play, like, regular classical music. As a kid, you're like, ah, classical, right? But they didn't just do that. They made all these really cool, like, like, sound effects okay. on the violin i remember in in the i was just like yes that was a turn I'm on yeah, yeah it was like and they made it even sound kind of electric you know oh, cool. and stuff yeah. like that just just crazy weird sounds and and i was like that's amazing and, and i remember them saying too that the violin was the instrument closest to the human voice okay. and as a singer sure. that also kind of got my attention so yeah i yeah. chose violin instead of flute but one day I'm, I'm just going to go buy a flute and teach myself to do that one too. But the, <laughs> so I did orchestra. Beautiful, yeah. It, it was the next kind of step. I did orchestra. I was doing choir too, but um, you know, choir you're in such a big group and all of that. I had a couple solos, but I was more um, more into orchestra, like in middle school and high okay. school. And then um, I was singing in church too, though. Okay. And then uh, my stepdad actually rodeoed, so he would take me with him, and I would sing the national anthem. So definitely did all the church singing and then the national anthem at rodeos. And then I was playing violin in orchestra. <laughs> so the piano, of course, that's that's what I started on, taken from a classical teacher and spent many years doing that. It's kind of where the foundation of music came from. Did you ever go as far as getting into technically learning the piano or was it more we've got the piano you're making your own sounds and then you kind of ventured away from that or did you spend time kind of honing the craft of the piano so for a really long time I would just kind of clunk clunk as you were saying you know just like one hand like two hands didn't make sense to me like one hand melody uh, melody you know just kind of picking things out but in college I went to same Houston State for a violin scholarship actually but it was music education I had to learn every instrument so I had to do at least two semesters of piano so I got a little bit more you know I already read treble clef Uh um, from violin so then I had to learn uh, bass clef which I was learning that for cello I had to play Mm -hmm. cello in school so I got a little bit more into it but what it's funny that you say that because in quarantine mm-hmm. 
uh, one of my old roommates left me a piano. Okay. Like a weighted key- keyboard is what I mean. Sure, uh, yeah. You know, and so, and it was nice. And, and, you know, I would have never spent the money to go get one like that that had the weighted keys and all yeah. that. So quarantine, I started getting back into it. Cool. And I've, I've you know, I'll get into it for a while and then I'll take a long break. And it's yeah. hard when you play music for a living, right? But I have gotten back into it now. So I'm, I'm a better piano player now for sure. But I, there's still a long ways to go. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? All the years that I spent on the piano and, and playing, I've threatened over the last couple of years to really knock the cobwebs off the piano playing and start introducing it into to more of my shows. So there's a variety of piano and then I could go back to the guitar. But I think there's a laziness that kicks in. Like I try to rig all of the gear that I take to my shows with as minimal as possible. So to carry an 88 key piano Mm -hmm. with me is like, it's not appealing to me. However, I would love that versatility. I just don't know that I want to carry more stuff at this stage in the game. Right. So I I may never do that, but the thought is always kind of brewing in my head. Like this must be really cool to kind of, you know, do some stuff on the piano and then next set do all guitar stuff. Like it would show versatility. And, you know, there's a lot of Elton John stuff that I like to do. And I would love to play that kind of stuff on the piano, which sounds better because Elton was a piano player, right? (laughs) Right, Not a guitarist. So, well, and I mean, part of why I picked it up again was I would like to be, able to write a song on piano yeah, for sure. and and I've always just I strum some chords and I hum and that's kind of how I've always written songs and and it's funny I saw a video because you know playing violin I follow some some violinists on Instagram and TikTok and those things and I saw a video and it was like this is what it looks like you know three hours of playing violin and it's like their back is all uh, you know <laughs> and there's three hours of playing guitar and it's similar right, right. It's, it's a lot sure and then piano they're fine right <laughs> and that is exactly my thoughts when I was no like I'm gonna play piano during quarantine because yeah. I definitely have all the back issues from playing guitar all the time. Yeah. So. Well, you know, it's funny that they, um, even though the piano is laid out in a linear fashion and it's, if a musician plays the guitar and the piano, the piano makes more sense because of the way it's laid out than a guitar neck does. Right. Mm. But they say that the piano is one of the hardest instruments to play because you're playing you know, your treble and your whatnot with the right hand, but then you're playing the bass lines with your left hand and they're both doing something totally different right, at right. one time. And it's not as easy as a lot of people think it is. Well, and, right. Yeah. I, and I tell a lot. So I was, uh, I, for about 15 years, I've taught private lessons on violin and guitar. And I tell my students a lot of times, you know, especially the five-year-olds, six-year-olds come in, they want to play guitar. I tell them to start on a piano first because it does make more sense, you mm-hmm. know, like mathematically sure and yeah. reading music. So I think it's it's like both. I, can, I think it's kind of the easiest instrument to start on, but it's also still the hardest to like master. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's funny. There's this this whole thought process that when a kid gets to a certain age, the parent says, we're going to put you in music lessons. And the piano is what everybody gravitates to. It's kind of like if you do a martial art, <laughs> It's always Taekwondo. Regardless, it's never jujitsu. It's never wrestling. It's never, you know, whatever. It's always Taekwondo because it's so mainstream and so many people do it. So they gravitate to the, what everybody else is doing, I think. Well, especially Uh, if the parents are not musical. They just go, oh, what's everybody else doing? Sure, (laughs) sure. Would you say that you're a vocalist before you're an instrumentalist? Or do you feel like your talents on your instruments equal that of your vocal abilities? That's kind of a loaded question, but, <laughs> but, but, but I, but I, but there are some artists and I'll tell you why there are some artists that I talk to that say, I play the guitar, but I'm not really a guitarist, right? I'm more of a vocalist, but they just, they have the guitar, they play the chords, of course, but they're not really like an astute guitarist or they're not like, well, definitely not guitar. Okay. So I would say, I would still probably say I'm more of a vocalist than like a violinist. Okay. And the rest of the instruments, you know, piano and everything is just kind of like, I'm still at a beginner level. But yeah. um, violin, I mean, I really studied it. 
but I'm also very rusty right now. Sure. Like I don't play, I don't practice as much these days. But at some point, you know, when I was in college, for instance, I would probably even say I was a better violinist in college. But I work more on singing now. Sure, if that makes sense. So it's it kind does. of fluctuated yeah. a bit, and I, I'm more passionate about singing. Yeah. So it does. Make, it makes. <laughs> yeah, it does, and it makes perfect sense. And the violin is probably much like the piano for me. It's just something that we don't do in our daily routines mm-hmm. anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We would love to like, Ooh, I'd love to introduce the violin into this or the piano into that. But we go through our days, we get caught up in all the minutia of the day. Right. And we don't take the time to, Oh, well, let me knock the cobwebs off of this. And whatever. Right. so, well, and even, you know, when I do play violin slash fiddle at my shows, <laughs> um, you know, I play so many acoustic shows, so I have to do a loop pedal and, you know, okay. loop guitar first and then pick up violin. So then you have a couple problems. You have, okay, well, is this key that I'm singing in a good key for me to play on violin because okay. I'm not Paganini with the, the long fingers. If right. you know. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, and so there's some keys out there that are really difficult for my wrist to reach and, and just to play, especially out of practice. Sure. Um, and then, okay, well, does this song loop and re- re- repeat the chords well enough to do that? Sure. You know, so then like you're saying, yeah, the violin gets kind of put to the, yes. and so I'll show up at shows sometimes without my violin because yep. it's also more equipment to set up yeah, you know then i've got absolutely. the pedal board and yep. then i've got i really need a monitor if i'm doing all that so then i need two speakers and exactly people are like where are you violin i'm like well number one <laughs> i can only play violin so many times on yep. an acoustic show solo and then number two it's a lot more you know set up and if i'm like in a small space and you know just for two hours or something i'm like sorry yeah <laughs> but when i'm playing full band i do try and at least play three songs on on violin fiddle just to kind of be set apart. There's so many Absolutely. females and it's kind of, you know, I try and sing certain songs that I don't think other females cover. Like, so those are some things that are, you know, like, if you can't be the best, at least be unique. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. I'm not Mariah Carey. Yeah. So I'm exactly. <laughs> be unique. Yeah. You have to uh, add your value somehow. Right. <laughs> exactly. um, as a young girl though, were your dreams to become a musician or at a young age, were you still the little girl that was thinking, oh, I want to be a ballerina or do something like that? Were they girly girl things or did you know at a young age that music was, that's my path, that's the way I'm going to go? I always, always wanted to be a singer and a teacher. Okay. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Here I am. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I really, I probably, you know, thought for five minutes about a couple other, you know, ideas um, with what to do with my life. But, but yeah, I always wanted, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to teach. It could have been kindergarten, you sure. know, but yeah, singer first, always, yeah. always. Okay. You, you mentioned it earlier about, you know, playing the, the violin. Where did that interest in the violin come from? Did you, did you just start an orchestra one day and you had to pick an instrument and that was the instrument that you picked? Is that yeah. how that became the instrument of choice? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it was, it was between band and orchestra. Those were my choices at the time. Okay. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I had, it was either flute or violin were kind of the two I was looking at. And um, after seeing that one performer play violin, I was like completely hooked, you yeah. know? Yeah, so I played an orchestra all the way through high school and mm-hmm. landed myself a violin scholarship to go to Sam Houston. So that was my main focus through school because okay. I, I liked choir, but it wasn't this, the kind of singing that I wanted to do because I always liked singing more rock or more country mm-hmm. and not so much that chorale, you know, proper kind of stuff. Sure. So. Well, everything everything that we sang in the choir most of the time was in Latin anyway, right? Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, and it was. It was a lot of different, yeah. We sang languages. song. I remember, so I was in the choir as well from sixth grade all the way through my senior year. And I am I look back and I'm glad that I went through that because it taught me a lot about sight reading. Mm-hmm. It, it gave me experience at UIL competitions where I would go and do solos, where I would do madrigals. And it taught a little bit about theory and whatnot. And all of that can be applied to what you and I do. For sure. Today, right? Now, I, d- I don't ever profess to be Mr. Theory guy, right? Mm-hmm. There's certainly people out there that are a lot more knowledgeable than I am, but it's a good foundation, especially if you're going to play other instruments, right? It gives you that good kickstart to get going with those instruments. Hey. 
Have you been thinking that you may need a little exercise in your daily routine while having a little fun doing it? I may have the solution. Hey, it's Randy Holsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. And about six months ago, I purchased an electric bike from Ecotrick and just thought about using it as a way to kind of get the blood flowing a few days a week. And to my surprise, I find myself on the bike just about every day. Not only am I getting a little exercise each day, but I'm also having a fun time seeing the neighborhood and maybe some areas that I probably would never have seen before I got the bike. Today, my family owns four of these Ecotrick bikes, and we're looking to add a few more soon. Make sure to check out the link in the description below for more details. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even just kind of strengthening the voice. I didn't know it at the time, but it, it was. I mean, you're doing those kind of warm-ups, which I, I didn't ever do again until more recently in my life. But yes. la, 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 la. <laughs> But I was like, oh, I really should do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know if you're like me or not. I find myself going to my shows, and I'll just turn on the radio on the drive there and just kind of hum along to the radio, and that constitutes as my vocal warm-up. But... I, I've never sat before a show and went, la, 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 you know, yeah. and started doing all these like exercises. So I don't know, is there some kind of routine that you do or do you just, do you just walk out cold and just start singing? I mean, for years I walked out cold and I mean, and I, I was singing five or six nights a week, cold, not warming up, just you never having a voice lesson or anything. But a little while ago, I actually found out I had polyps on my vocal cords. Oh, well, that's, that's not uncommon, by the right. way. But go ahead and finish your and, thought. And I mean, but it, but it was, um, it was looking like I might need surgery. Okay. And um, I was losing my voice after every show. And even right now, I sound a little bit <laughs> worse, but it's because I was singing in the studio last night. And basically, that was a wake-up call that I was like, okay, this is my instrument. I have to protect it. I have to learn what Absolutely. to do. They put me in what was called speech therapy, but it's essentially voice lessons. And I even, I got to take a, a voice lesson with, um, so so Jamie Johnson, I actually yes. played a couple shows with him, and he hooked me up with Winona Judd's vocal instructor. Okay. So I got to take one vocal instruction, you know, from him, which I could only afford one, <laughs> but it's crazy how much you, you learn, you know, from just one or two. And, and I've had maybe three or four total and, and I forget sometimes, and maybe I'll just hum on the way to a show like yeah. that, but somebody told me, or maybe I even saw in a video that one of the best things you can do is just those lip trills. Yeah. And, and just be really light with it and go kind of all the way up and down. And I use my falsetto a lot. In your shows you in do? In my shows okay. when I'm singing. Interesting. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of go in. They call me, uh, my family especially, like, oh, she she can yodel. She's a yodeler, you know, because mm-hmm. I kind of go in and out of that. And if I'm losing my voice or I'm just tired, my falsetto goes first. And okay. so apparently those lip trills are really good for all of your Interesting. range. And it's very light, so you're not wearing yourself out. So it's good to do after a cold, too, okay. like when you're kind of recovering. So. I've been learning a lot more about that stuff ever since that happened to me because it was a good year there that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to sing professionally anymore. Yeah. Well, good. You just taught me something because I didn't (laughs) know all that, like the trills and all that. Like, I I will never do that. I mean, I think there's something for, you know, everyone's got their little things, but um, that's something that I do try. I try and at least do it like in the shower at some point before a gig and then maybe a hum, you know, in the car or whatever, or sing harmony with whoever's on the radio. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of sing under my voice in the car. So it's, you know, I'm singing along, but I'm not like belting anything out. It's just kind of more to warm the voice up a right. little bit. But um, speaking of the guitar, you brought one with you. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if maybe you would share a song of your choice with the listeners. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, I'm going to play uh, one of my only love songs off of the album. <laughs> and uh, we cut a music video for this one. It's called Come Over. It's been one of those days again No matter what I do, I just can't win Couldn't find the keys this morning And I caught every bed like Sleep for work again. 
Awesome job on the song. I love it. Thank you. And I think, um, was that one off your 2017 release, Mm -hmm. um, Falling for You? Yes. The record? Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you share with the listeners maybe what inspired the song? Oh, so, so as I was saying before I started singing it, that's one of my only love songs that I've written and, uh, you know. I'm a very happy, lucky, you know, person. Like I'm very optimistic and all of that. But it's it seems that when I go to write songs, I'm I'm generally kind of sad or or pissed off. And so that's one of my only love songs. And ironically, I wrote it when I was single and living in a one bedroom apartment in Conroe, Texas. <laughs> like, uh, you know, soon after college. And um, I I think you know every once in a while, like some songs I write for me. You know, it's therapy, and I just got to get it out. Some songs I write hoping that other people will like it and relate, and that was one of those that, you know, and and I get inspiration from all kinds of, you know, other friends' relationships or movies or other songs, like, oh, well, what if, you know, you say it like this instead of that way or whatever. So, I mean, inspiration definitely comes from, from everywhere, and that was probably one of the first three or four songs I ever wrote. Really? Mm hmm I didn't start writing songs really until I picked up a guitar and I was already 19 at that point. And that was one of the first three and uh, it almost didn't make the album. Wow. And it's funny cause that is seemed to be one of the, the favorites. And we actually took a poll on Facebook to see what, 
you know, kind of people were leaning towards as their favorite, and that was it, and that's why we did a music video for that one. Music videos are expensive, so. I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> that's the one that I've got never it. done one, but I trust that they are. <laughs> I can think that, yeah, there's a lot that goes into them, I'm sure, a lot of time spent, too, so. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back for just a quick minute and kind of revisit yesteryear again for just a second. I, I wanted to go back to the Sam Houston days. So you earned the scholarship there. Tell me about the days at Sam. You Were you a music, I'm assuming you were a music major, right? Yeah, so I was majoring in music education. And uh, I was only there for two years. And I dropped out because I, I wanted to sing that a more, girl. you know, and it's funny because in interviews, I love saying that now. I love saying I'm you're a proud of, to be a college dropout, <laughs> you know, but it, it took me a long time to be able to say, I just felt like such, you know, just, I felt bad because I had a scholarship and I left, sure. you know, and then I just, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go back and finish my degree. Oh, I'm going to go back. But really I was going to like teach an orchestra in school. And that was never really what I wanted to yeah. do. And so, and, and I actually landed a job teaching private lessons on violin in college while I was still there. And this is funny. I was making the same hourly wage teaching as one of my college professors no was to, to teach private lessons. So he was teaching theory in college, but he was teaching guitar lessons. And we were making the same hourly wage. And I was like, well, what do I need to, you know, I, I had a, p- a partial scholarship and I had some um, grants, but outside of that, you know, the, after that runs out, like you still have to pay for all that. My parents couldn't help me. I'm um, working a you know part-time job, but I had to have a certain amount of hours every week to keep that scholarship. Okay. And I was commuting back and forth. I mean, it was just a lot. And a lot of times for music education, it takes five years instead of four for a okay, lot wow. uh, for a bachelor's I so didn't know that. so it was just so much and um yeah I I started doing this open mic in Conroe I was just talking about it because I played Conroe last weekend and that is where I started like I was closet teaching myself to play guitar and I was still in college and I was learning like, a bunch of instruments in college and I was just going up to this open mic and playing fiddle with local you know country bands and stuff and uh that's when I first started like like looking at, you know, these people that are, are making a living or, or close to it, but not on the radio, you know? Correct. And I had no idea there was a level like that yeah. that existed sure. until that open mic kind of that whole yeah. thing. So it blew my mind, really. <laughs> well, there's a lot of professions that don't require college degrees. And while, you know, there's this stigma around college, like, you know, you as a, as a parent, you say for your kids college, you know, that's the thing to do. The fact of the matter is college and education is not for everyone, right? Like I struggled in school because it was just not, it was not my thing. I went to, I went to college, you know, I did all that stuff, but you know, some people are cut out for that. And then there's others that go down a different path. And I don't think by saying that somebody dropped out of school at that. At, now, if you dropped out in the eighth grade, people probably would look at you like, Oh, what'd you do that for? But, but in college you're, you're a grown adult by then. Like, so it's right. not, it's not as a travesty, so to speak. Did the songwriting start for you prior to going to Sam or did it really kick off once you got to Sam? Yeah, I really, I didn't write an actual song until I started playing guitar so it was definitely during college when I was learning to play guitar I learned about four chords and I was like all right it's time let's let's try this out you know and I I'll still randomly play the very first song I ever wrote really it's not recorded but I'll play it every once in a while just you know hey guys (laughs) just to be kind of silly right what's um, what's the name of that one it's called drive on okay and it's about Oh, you know, standard breakup song. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, Makes sense. Yeah, maybe one day I'll record it at least on a video or something because um, I still, you know, I I know all the lyrics and everything. So Well, you should. I think every, I mean, your first song, that's kind of a, that's, that's what started it all off, sure. right? I mean, you, you, it deserves to be memorialized somehow, yeah, for right? Sure. Yeah. But, but I, I always tell people that my guitar writes my songs for me because I, I would have never thought about even writing a poem. 
mm. before I picked up a guitar. Interesting. Like it just none of that stuff. You know, I was I was always pretty good at spelling, yeah. but I wasn't necessarily good at writing. Like okay. any you know language and arts, like that kind of stuff. I was also really bad at homework, so I probably yeah. didn't read the book I was supposed to read <laughs> and and then do the the homework. So, but yeah, I'm totally needed my guitar to kind of spark that songwriting thing for me you're not the only one that's ever said that so there's been a lot of people sitting in that hot seat right where you are right now and there's like five of them that come to mind that said the same thing like creed fisher was one of them right creed fisher said i've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs i love writing in school but that doesn't mean I like school. It's just like, you know, and then Jeff Canada said the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I love poetry. I love writing it. And I said, well, you were you a good, did you love English in school? Did you love writing papers? And he's like, hell no, I didn't like writing papers, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's different, right? It's yeah. totally different. I can think of some, like, essays and stuff that I wrote, and I actually tried, which was, you know, it was school. I was never a great student. And the ones that I actually tried on, I remember getting, like, okay, but you didn't follow the instructions, you know, like yeah. you were supposed to write it in this way. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least I told a story. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what made it probably not fun for people like us is that they, they put parameters Absolutely. around how it was supposed to be done. And if you, if you set 20 musicians down right there, even a hundred, none of them want parameters. None of them want walls. They don't want to be boxed in. It's, it's yeah, the artist. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the creativity and the artist and, and, and people like us that are musicians. So that's probably why a lot of people were not big on the whole writing in mm-hmm. school. Right. I was wondering if you would mind sharing another song with the listeners. Well, okay then. <laughs> Do I have to twist your rubber arm very far? <laughs> All right. So this is, this is uh, our current single. And uh, we cut this one out in Nashville. The song is called Man Up.
great song, Heather, Man Up, recorded in Nashville, Tennessee. Talk to the listeners a little bit about what took you to Nashville to record the song. Oh, um, that is a long story, but I guess long story short, um, I was actually singing in a cover band. took about a year um, and joined this cover band, kind of as a side project. And I met a lot of cool people, and the drummer in that band, his name was Tracy, um, he had some, like, contacts out in Nashville, and I hadn't ever really been there before or anything. I always knew I wanted to go. And, uh, yeah, long story short, he hooked me up with um, David Huff, and I went out and I sang two or three songs for him, and he picked that one out of the three okay. um, to record that he thought was, you know, kind of like good for the time, especially. This has been a couple of years ago now. And, yeah, it was really cool, and I was just over the moon that you know i even got to meet a producer out in nashville you know it was kind of a crazy thing but uh but yeah so uh shortly after we ended up recording that song and um man there was i wish i had the list in front of me but there were some amazing musicians on that um on that single so a lot of people that have played for you know keith urban and those kind of guys so that was a really cool experience for me there's not a shortage of uh great players in Nashville. Exactly. For sure. <laughs> I'm actually I'll be in Nashville on on Monday. So yeah. Oh, got really? a trip to doing? Nashville right around the corner. Um I'm going to go see a client and we're going to take in a hockey game. It's my understanding that you you learn to play guitar on your dad's old guitar. Is is yeah. that correct? Yeah. So um <laughs> so so my stepdad mostly raised me, and I, I do have to say, my my real father, my biological father, did get me a guitar when I was really young, but I just didn't have the interest yet, okay. you know? And so it wasn't until I was probably, you know, 19, I guess, 18 or 19, I was like, hmm, this guitar just sits here, and my stepdad, you know, he could play a few chords, but he just had this guitar sitting there. And it was nothing great. I think it was a Montana. So it was just, you know, $100 guitar. But um, I I finally was like, you know what? I want to sing and I need to accompany myself. Absolutely. And I didn't have a keyboard. And those are, you know, I thought at least way more expensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess I could have done like keytar. Yeah, keytar. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. But but yeah, so I, I actually borrowed his guitar for a couple years and I was teaching myself on that that one until I finally bought my own which I bought at the music store that I was working at at the time okay. and I still have that one and later my younger sister I I passed along my dad's guitar to her okay and taught her you know three or four chords and then she continued to you know teach herself guitar too so I was gonna ask if he ever got the guitar back I don't know where it is right now really? to be honest with you and do you remember what that that guitar was that you bought at the music store? Oh, the one that I bought was a um, an Alvarez, a red okay. quilt top, cutaway. It's sitting in my living room. It's beautiful. Still have I it will today, never right? sell it. Yeah. <laughs> so I um, made a pact with myself a long time ago, um, and and I've been guilty of that, where you buy some kind of musical instrument or equipment, and you say, "Well, I don't need it," and you sell it, and then a year later, you're like, "Damn." I wish I wouldn't have done. So the pack with myself is you buy something, you keep it. You don't, you don't get rid of it. Yeah. That's kind of what I do. I mean, I just feel like, you know, guitars sound better over the years. Right. And even if nothing else, they look really pretty in my house. Sure, Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, there, there's a lot of truth to what you just said. And, um, I consulted for two years with, um, Martin and Taylor guitars and there's, there's a lot of truth in that. If the tone wood is a good tone wood, a laminate guitar won't open up and sound better 20 years from now. But if you buy a good tone wood guitar, like Indian Rosewood or Koa or Coca-Bola or something like that, the higher end guitars, they will become more porous over time and, and open up. So kind of put it in perspective. Imagine going to the bank and getting a brand new dollar bill and how how crinkly that dollar bill is Mm -hmm. and then imagine that dollar bill 30 years from now how soft it becomes it Mm -hmm. almost becomes like a tissue right right right. so that's wood the the dollar bill is made from wood right so that's basically what a guitar does over time 
is it will always sound better 30 years from now than it did the first day that you bought it. So yeah. And a lot of, a lot of guitar players or even non guitar players don't know that about tone wood. Well, and I, I recently uh, bought a new guitar and, and I didn't know to that extent. So I definitely just learned something. Um, but I was looking at one wall. I remember at a uh, Fuller's okay. guitars yeah, yeah. and I was like, well, what's this wall? And they're like, Oh, those are like used, you know, older guitars. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so that means I can afford those because they're used. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you know, quite a bit older. And, you know, I mean, I think they started at three grand. Oh, and yeah, went up. probably. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because now, you know, the older they get, they become vintage guitars, right? Well, and then they're worth more sure. than, mm-hmm. you know. I'm anyway. like, don't even put it in my hands. You're going to break my heart exactly. <laughs> because I'm going well, to fall in love that's, and I'm not going to be able to afford it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like putting you in the McLaren and saying, here, Heather, drive this. You get in it. You're, you're not going to want to give it back. Right. Oh, and sure. that's the whole idea. That's why people want you to test drive the car. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you don't want to give it back. Would you say that you're a, a lyric writer first for your songs or does the music inspire the lyric for you? So I would say that like, you know, my, my album that I have out, any songs that I wrote up until probably around, well, the pandemic even, I'll put it right around 2020. Anything I wrote before 2020, I would say I absolutely felt like I needed the music first. I needed at least to strum chords and start humming. And then I would okay. just kind of like, okay, what do I feel like my guitar is saying to me? You know what I mean? Yeah. But like somewhere after that, after putting out my album and after, you know, the world shut down and all of that, like, I don't know what happened, but I had a bit of a writer's block for, for a while. Um, and then once I started writing again, and, and to this day, this is still true. Um, I was writing just yesterday and the day before I write lyrics first now. And I just have notes and notes and notes of lyrics. Interesting. Okay. And I don't know if it if if they're you know I feel like everyone's different on which one which way they do it, and so I don't know that there's a, a better way or not or whatever. But I do think it's hilarious that it flip flopped with yeah, me. Yeah, full circle. I, I have right? no idea why yeah. or when exactly it happened, but I do write lyrics first now. Interesting. But um, yeah. So we'll see what the next album sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. And would you? Would you consider yourself a structured songwriter in the fact that you schedule time to sit down and write? Or for you, does the mood have to hit you and things just happen organically? Um, And I ask you that because I had an interview with Michael Sweet from the rock band Striper in Boston. And uh, he said, every day at 10 o'clock, that's my writing time. Uh, and, And he's structured like that. Are you the structured songwriter or are you just like whether it's 10 in the morning or 10 at night, it's just whatever you feel like doing. I wish I was structured uh, okay. because I know, you know, people say it's a muscle and you got to use it and you got to, um, you know, just keep putting out songs until you get a good one and all those things. Um, and so I would like to be that way. Um, I do. Uh, I feel like I go through phases where I'll almost seasons where I'll, I'll write a lot. And then I won't write for a month, you know, but I am constantly writing just little one liners or titles, you know, things that I think would be cool song titles or, um, you know, putting that stuff on my phone. But the other hard part is when you are playing music for a living, you know, my hands and my back are hurting. My voice might be gone. So like there's days that maybe I feel inspired, but I just don't have the, (laughs) the, um, to, to, you know, sit down and really play guitar for very long. So that, that ends up hindering me from writing as much as I want to yeah. also. It's like your get up and go done, got up and went. Huh? I know. Yeah. And you know, your little fingers on the fifth show of a week, it's like, oh my gosh, they're, they're going to fall off. Yeah. In 2017, you released an LP called Falling For You. And then in 2018, a single called Man Up, which you just played. Is there anything coming up in the works for you, new music, that you would like to talk about or can talk about? So I was, I, I've i always gone a little bit back and forth. Um, you know, people consider me primarily a country singer. Okay. But I, I like my rockin' vibes. I like the bluesy vibes and all that. And I have been toying with the idea 
of putting out just a, like a four or five song EP that's more like rock or Americana, you I might like call it, it you yeah. know, uh, or even just singer songwriter ish. I don't know if you've ever heard of Caitlin Smith. Sure. She, her two albums that she has out are very much what I feel like I, I'm, I might could do good yeah. with, you know? And, you know, when I do cover songs, I cover so many different genres and everything. And when, so when I'm writing, it mm-hmm. all comes out that way. But because of, like, I mean, I grew up in Conroe, for crying out loud. Like, it's country music. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, central. Um, and so that's kind of why I went that route. Country was the context that I had. But I've always liked a lot of, you know, kind of rock. And, I mean, 90s rock is, like, where it's at for me. So I've toyed with the idea. So I actually have recorded a couple songs that are more, they almost sound like 90s rock, honestly. interesting. But if you've been to one of my shows, like especially full band, we will sometimes pull out this uh, song that I, another song I recorded in Nashville that I've been sitting on because I can't decide what I want to do. And then I I recently moved and then I was sick and then I got sick again. And and it's just been like, I feel like I'm just now fully starting to recover from even COVID and all of that kind of craziness and starting to really gig and being able to pay bills on gigs and all that stuff again. So um, to answer your question, I am not 100%. I don't want to lie to you. So I don't know for sure what's going to happen next, but I have some things in the works already, if that makes sense. Well, no, that's that's great, and I, I think that that's that's important. I mean, your your wheels are turning, right? Is what you're saying, <laughs> right? and that's sure. that's a good thing. And and the reason I ask that question is because I know you you play for a living, and you've had singles, you've had an LP, but those were recorded some years back, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I was kind of curious. I wanted to ask you about that. There's been kind of that hiatus if you will Mm -hmm. about putting out some new material so I didn't know if there was anything new and exciting coming up for you there yeah and you know I was singing you know professionally for years um before I ever even put out my first album um I recorded a couple demos I even put some music out on MySpace when that was a thing it's still there probably gosh you're old Uh, I'm so old (laughs) but I really I did things kind of backwards like like these you know when I meet younger newer artists I always tell them like don't do what I did I was singing in in bars and whatever without a product for so long and I and it was because I was a terrified of doing it wrong Mm -hmm. and b golly it's hard to scratch up the money to do these you know and you want to do it the right way right absolutely and so I'm that's another thing that I'm arguing with myself on like what exactly I want to do and do I have the money to do it the way I want to do it because you know I could go you know, I could just drop a single on iTunes tomorrow, yeah. but that doesn't mean anybody's going to care about it or hear it or any, you know, if you don't have yes. the money behind it to promote it. And, you know, I, I've never gone Texas country radio and that's another thing that I've been really, it's been on my list of things okay. that I'd really like to do, but I'm sure, you know, that's not cheap either. <laughs> well, it's, it's baby steps, right? I mean, For you sure. have to, you have to do it the right way. You know, your roots are country music. Who inspired you the most in your younger years? Do you mean artist-wise? From an artist, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, when I was young, young, I definitely had, I mean, cassette tapes, Shania Twain, you know, the Judds. Um, I remember having Alanis Morissette once Once I was able to get CDs. And, you know, of course, we had Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, too, right? Um, but I, I, lo- I also really loved Martina McBride, just especially just all-around vocal standpoint. She was probably one of my favorite voices but I also remember having the cassette tape from um Leanne Rimes I remember she started so young she was only like 14 and I remember being so jealous I I think she's a year or two older than me I can't remember I remember being like so jealous that she was already starting her career you know at 14 and I was like all right well I'm gonna start mine at 15 I'm right behind her you know exactly (laughs) So, so I mean there's a lot there for sure as a songwriter later in life, once I was playing guitar and stuff like that, um, one of the first songwriters I saw live was Sean McConnell. And uh, he's a Nashville guy. For those of you listening, if you don't know, he co-wrote the song Mercy that, um, oh, what was his name? Brett Young released. And But I'd, I've been following Sean McConnell for years and years uh, before that. 
And so I saw him perform in Conroe. And again, it was one of those, like, I had never heard of him before. He wasn't, like, so famous that he was on the radio yet. But he was absolutely touring and making a living at it. And so I was heavily influenced by him. And I was covering a lot of his songs um, as soon as I started playing guitar. So That's interesting. Um, a great artist he is. And I was wondering if you have a song of his you might want to share with the listeners. I can do that. Awesome. This is Reckless Love by Sean McConnell. Careless and stupid, crazy, dangerous with my heart, baby. Though you kiss me, it makes everything slide. Great cover there, Heather. Talk to me just briefly about the song choice. You know, we talked about inspiration. You said Sean. Like, what? what is it about that song that you love? You know, um, I feel like that one is, is so bluesy, but sad, but also a love song. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like, I mean, love is sad sometimes, right? And Lots of like things wrapped up into yeah, one. Yeah, right? it's just so good. It's so good. Um, and I remember when I, when I first learned that one, 
there was a D7 chord in there that I'd never played before. And a lot of times back then I'd be like, oh, if it's not in my four or five chord, you know, <laughs> library, the I don't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. But I loved it so much. I'm like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure it out. And it's not a hard chord to make, but just, you right. know, switching and all of that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I just loved it that much. But really anything Sean McConnell, um, yeah. I love a lot of his songs and he, he does a lot of sad songs, which yeah. of course us songwriters, we can't help it. We just love the sad yes, ones and exactly. just anything Melancholy. A, emotion, yep. you sure. know, anything that really evokes emotion. And he is just the best at that. And I've seen him live so many times, um, since then. And every time I'm blown away by his voice. So too. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that D7 is just a mirror of the D chord, right? It is. It's just the other way. The <laughs> exactly. triangle is reversed, right? Yep, that's yeah. right. Over the years, you've been fortunate enough to, and they've been fortunate enough to, <laughs> I should say, to share the stage with some pretty amazing artists. Is there one that really sticks out in your mind that when you played with them, you're like, oh, that that person, I was going to say guy, but it could be a female artist too. They were amazing. It was just like this memorable show for you. Is there one that sticks out in your mind? You know, um, there've been, there've been some really cool shows. I have definitely gotten some really cool, um, opportunities. I have to say though, um, one of my favorites was Tanya Tucker. Interesting. Okay. And I think, I mean, for one, she was one of the first that was like really, really well known, you know, like I could, I could be talking to somebody that didn't really listen to country music, but she still knew, you know, yeah. they knew who Tanya Tucker was. Um, so between that and then also we played that one at um, uh, Stampede Houston, okay. which is a very big dance hall. Um, I think it was my second or third time to play there mm-hmm. is when I opened for, for Tanya. And there were just so many people there, you know, and those kind of shows, those are the ones that keeps us going. Yeah, you for know, sure. When people are actually there. That. And they were there early for the opener because sometimes they're not there early enough right but that one it was like they they were there early enough for the opener not necessarily for me but they needed they knew it was gonna be packed and so they were like all crowded they're rushing i do have like a um a selfie with the audience from that particular show because everyone is really just up at the stage they're right up you know and that's the ones you know and sometimes i'm playing shows where you know there's only a handful of people and i'm like hey uh if you guys want to come you know kind of crowd the stage and make me feel like i'm already famous (laughs) that would be fun for me and we could take a stage selfie you know so um and she was amazing i got to meet her and i almost missed the opportunity because she got on her bus quickly she wasn't like in the green room or anything right she was on her tour bus yeah but um the um, manager like took me out, knocked on the door and she was gracious cool. enough. She was already in her PJs. No way. Yeah. And she had pink hair at the time too. And she'd already put it at, kind of back in a ponytail, but I do have a picture with her on her bus. That's she was awesome. nice enough to, you know, give me a little hug and I gave her one of my CDs and all of that. And it was just, I mean, gosh, I was listening to her since, you know, I Magi- was born. a magical moment. Huh? Yes. Yeah. It was amazing for sure. That's awesome. Well, you have to take those pictures where everybody's rushed up to the stage and, just let everybody know this is what all my shows look like, right? <laughs> this is normal for me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, that be nice? it's not the case, but you know, it's like you your got time's your highs coming. and lows. Your time's coming. Talk to me about upcoming shows you have uh, where the folks local in Houston can maybe come out and see you play. I know you have a few lined up, but share with the listeners what you remember off the top of your head of what you have coming up. <laughs> I definitely have a lot in in December. I have some private parties too. Um, I do play um, the first, second, and third weeks of every month. I mean, for uh, for now and until they kick me out, I'm playing Dogwood in Midtown. So I'll be there Wednesday, and then I'll be there for the following two Wednesdays after that. Um, and so that one's kind of a reoccurring one that you can catch me at um, in Midtown. I do play both locations of the Rustic. I think the next one is actually on New Year's Eve, but it's an afternoon show, 1230, I believe. Okay. So that's downtown Rustic. And you know what? I will go ahead and announce a really cool show. First first time right here for everyone. Um, we just got booked at the um, Stockman's Club at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Oh, nice. Have you ever been I there? Haven't, okay. no. I I have heard of this for years and years, and um, they are the same 
the same people that book that are the people that book like the hideout and yes. like the corral club and stuff like that. Okay. So basically this is our in nice. to possibly eventually you. get over to the hideout. And Good stuff, for so. you. Now I've heard of the hideout. Yes. I'm not, I, you know, we talked about the whole, um, Lots of people in small places, like yeah. like like the rodeo is like not for me. Like uh, I don't want to be around that many people at one time. So well, I'll uh, be on a stage. I'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're guarded up there. You're but in yes, your own world. So we're playing three days in a row for that, which That's is awesome. also really good cool. for you. And, um, he, uh, Mike that booked me, he told me they've actually never had a female artist in there. So I'll be really? the first female band to perform in there. That's so awesome. Well, congrats. Congratulations on that. And okay. I guess you heard that first on Backstage Pass Radio, right? There you go. Yeah. Where can the listeners find Heather Raylene on social media? Um, I do have a website, um, heatherraylene.com. And I'm better at updating my Instagram than my Facebook, but I do have both of those. Okay. <laughs> and so um, Heather Raylene Band on Facebook and on Instagram are the other ones. Okay. Yep. Well, well, Heather, thanks so much for coming to Cyprus and for being here. It's great to see you again. I, I appreciate you being here you well, and sharing you. your story and getting your name out there. And I, I've always said, you know, if you pick up another two or three listeners just from the, the show here, that's then we win. Right. Absolutely. So I thank you for for being here and being gracious with your time. As always, I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Also make sure to follow Heather on all her social media outlets, including the website at heatherraylene.com. And make sure you get out there and support those upcoming shows for her and the band, and including the solo shows. You guys can find the show here on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, Twitter at Backstage Pass PC and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. You guys take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you right back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at Music. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio. Backstage Pass Radio.